Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Movies. My name is Daniel Berrios. I'm going to be your host today. And man, I am talking about my new favorite movie of the year. We're getting right the fuck into it. John Wick Chapter 4. Same device. Saying hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Then why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to die. Maybe not. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. A new day is dawning. New ideas, new rules, new management. We've known each other since we were nine Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose, it's a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. Please pray for me. I was the black sheep of the family. Man has to look his best when it's time to get married. Or buried. I'm going to need a gun. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to die. If you win, the table will honor its word. You will have your freedom. Bro, I'm getting chills just listening to this trailer. Under the old laws, only one can survive. Failure to meet at sunrise. Will result in execution. Last words, Winston? Just have fun out there. I want you to find your peace. But a good death only comes after a good life. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. John Wick Chapter 4 is what I hope to be the last chapter in this John Wick series. It's series has almost been going on for about 10 years. I know that a new spin-off called Ballerina is supposed to come out later with Ana de Armas and the title role. But as far as John Wick's story, this is it. As far as I can tell, this is it. And it has him, again, running away from the high table, this uh, order above all hitmen that wants John Wick dead. Now John Wick is gotten to a point of like being a Spartacus. Like he is a Maximus. You know, he is a legend of, you know, he's basically a legend. He's a mythical figure. He's a the Paul Bunyan, Johnny Appleseed, uh, John Henry type now because he he's not only defying the order of these hitmen by taking out every leader within this high table now he's motivating the entire system to be shifted and you know they can't have that 
So they hire a guy, this young cat named the Marquis de Gramont, played by Bill Skarsgård. The cake eaten with a tiny fork, and because Bill Skarsgård is like giant as hell, it makes this fork and the cake even tinier, so therefore cuter. Uh, this big-ass French dude who's uh, given authority by the high table to basically commandeer every single resource possible into taking out John Wick. And through all of this, John Wick finds that he can gain his freedom again. So he's got to figure out how to, you know, first get to the place where he can gain his freedom and then do one final showdown to fight off Skarsgård and finally get back to the peace that he's so desperately looking for. And this is Keanu Reeves again as our hitman. We bring back Lawrence Fishburne as the Bowery King. Ian McShane is Winston, the manager. The Departed, rest in peace, Lance Reddick as Charon, the concierge of the New York Hotel Continental, which now I realize is like the Hilton, but, you know, for Hitman hotels, you know, like, I, I don't really need to think too hard about that kind of thing. Uh, the reason I love this so much for one, I would say the movie opens with uh, a sequence that right away in theaters just smacks the shit out of your eardrums. I mean, this all it starts with is John Wick punching a fucking uh, rope that's like wound around something. Like he's training for another battle. And the boom as his fist hits this rope just shakes the theater. And then you've got Lawrence Fishburne reciting this fucking badass monologue. And then they steal a shot wholesale from David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia. And not just a shot, like one of the, you know, you know, it's not something that you're going to have to squint and be like, is that really from that movie or not? No, no, no. It's one of the most iconic shots, not only of that movie, I think it is the most iconic shot from that movie. And it's also one of the most iconic edits of all time. Like, you put the 2001 bone to spacecraft in there at number one, and then number two would probably be the shot, which John Wick and Chad Stahelski basically rips off wholesale. And that is the kind of game that we're playing. I think that's Stahelski's sort of... Babe Ruth pointing the bat into right center field to show the pitcher, all right, that's where I'm going to smack this thing out of the park. And what's next left to do is for Stahelski to pull it off, to say that, look, this is me saying that we're going to make one of the all-time great epics, one of the great action movies, just the larger-than-life stories, the spectacles, the things that got our minds racing as children. That's what I'm going to try to do here. And by God, he fucking does it. This is... The phrases that popped in my head watching this movie were like ballet of death. You're watching this symphony of chaos and blending of so many styles and attitudes. Hell, even the score, uh, I think it's Paco Delgado that's doing the score for this. Welcome back to our new favorite part of the show, Daniel scrolling through IMDb to figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, no, Paco Delgado is from a different movie. Oh, he's the costume designer. Pardon me. 
Costume design. Costume is actually fucking badass in this, too. There's a lot of... Uh, it's not only just the guys in suits in this movie. There's... Uh, what is it? Like, all the extras, like, in a rave that you see later in the movie. There's the close-ups. One of the things that I'm thinking of is, like, there's, like, a radio DJ that's playing in France. And I just love the nose ring that she has. And I know all of that has to go through the costume department. Just, like... What are we going to focus on in this shot and what would be a really cool accessory for all these characters? But anyway, music by Tyler Bates and Joel J. Richard. That's combining everything. I'm got, I mean, if John Wick is going to Japan, you've got, of course, the Japanese-style uh, instruments. You've got, like, rock guitars. You've got bombastic horns. You've got Western flourishes. All of these are fused together. It feels Tarantino in that way that they're just taking all of their influences and jukeboxing it the fuck together. And it totally works because they know how to bring these in at the very best times. But uh, you've got just so much going on. It's just so much. It is maximalist filmmaking at its best. And I know I complained about that in Creed 3, but frankly, Stahelski just has a better grasp on the story than Jordan did. He's got more interesting things to do. Like This is the kind of action movie where the camera itself is pretty static. It just lets the choreography play. And at most times, there's a part in this movie where John Wick is going through a building, just firing off against motherfuckers. And the camera like goes over the top of the building. And some people have described it to like early GTA from like the PlayStation 1. But uh, yeah, it's like watching a top-down shooter. It, what it does is sometimes I get, I guess, caught up in how the action looks in a film where you're stuck in one place like a building, but you don't really have any sense of the location. You have no idea as to how the angles and where each character are. Like, where is each character? How do the angles that they're firing at the gun, they're firing, holy fuck, how do the angles at which they are firing their guns work within the total sequence? And something like watching that kind of thing from a God's eye view is fascinating. I love watching how the way that a piece of rubble will like crack under a bullet shot lets me know where that bullet is coming from. And I'm tracking these people that John Wicker is going after as he's going after them. Just and you're watching like fight scenes play out where the camera's just gliding between people and letting the stunt performers and the choreography sell the pain and the violence of the moment. One of the great things that this movie and Keanu Reeves have been able to do is sell a movie where a hitman gets the fuck kicked out of him, gets multiple fucks kicked out of him, and still keeps on trucking. I kept thinking to myself at a certain point, you know, there might be an argument to be made that John Wick is similar in vain to Michael Myers. He might have started as human, but something supernatural has imbued itself in them to, you know, be the embodiment of something else. I mean, hell, John Wick's nickname is the Boogeyman, the Baba Yaga. Like, you can't pin him down. He is something that no reasonable person can explain why can this man survive 
fighting so many people. I mean, if you were to take a shot for every person that John Wick fights in this movie, you'd be dead within 30 minutes. And I think there's a beauty to having a character that is imbued with a sense of legend, not because he has plot armor, which partially he does. He totally has plot armor. And if you hear any rattling on the door, of course, that's my toddler. Shout out uh, per episode. Here's my here's my episode's shout out to my son, Gabriel, who tries to break into my room while I'm recording. But it's not that Keanu Reeves and John Wick have plot armor. It's that he embodies, I guess, the spirit of freedom. Truly, freedom, uh, the working class. I think I'll, I'll go into that later, but I definitely think John Wick is a working class uh, sort of par- fable, so to speak. Very much like the John Henrys and the Johnny Appleseeds of old. Uh, but he's an icon. He's the embodiment of the person who's trying to break free of whatever limitations or whatever uh, constraints uh, constraints constructs that they have on him and to ultimately get back to the person that he knows who he like the person he knows that he is there's some talk in this movie from people like those guards guards marquee and new characters like uh, Hiroyuki Sanada's uh, he's the f- plays the friend of John Wick who's the manager from the Osaka Continental his character's name is Shimatsu who's a father of also newcomer one of the great installments of, to this franchise Rina Sawayama's Akira uh, plays uh, Shimatsu's daughter and those two have great chemistry by the way I'll talk about them here in a little bit but him Another new character, the blind hitman Kane, played by Donnie Yen. Holy fuck, we're going to talk about that later. But everyone's saying that, no, John Wick, you're a killer. You cannot escape this, you know, person that you are. You've been so obsessed with gaining revenge that you don't even know really why you're fighting. You don't know when the violence is going to stop. And what I kind of love about this movie is that where you would... I would honestly agree with that in maybe parts two and three, more three than two. I think in John Wick, the emotional underpinnings come back really to the forefront and get to a point where in Reeves' performance, it's not blind rage anymore. Pardon the pun, but it's not, you know, rage that has, it's rage that has a purpose this time. It's not purposeless. Like, he is not scrambling to stay alive. He's not, you know, racing to just keep breathing. In this one, he's got the purpose back again. So where you might have gotten the full Baba Yaga in, you know, installments two and three, you know, or even at the beginning of end of one where he's like, you know, I'm thinking I'm back. That that line that everyone's impersonating, including myself. In this one it felt more like he was a more mature John, a John that went into fights with sort of like an understanding of how to approach it. And John Wick has always been, you know, he's a, he's a great hitman. He's got, he's a veteran hitman. He's got experience fighting no matter what, but there are some fights 
like in the first couple of movies where he's just going in out of pure anger. And in this one, there's more... You can just see it in the slight hesitation between each fight, trying to figure out which approach is best. You know, you, it, they're split-second decisions, but Reeves sells them so well. And I guess it really helps that the camera is so static because you get the time to register all those little micro-movements in Reeves' face where he's totally in character and understands exactly what he needs to do. So seeing a John that enters with purpose... And seeing John that now it's not even about avenging his wife and it's not necessarily about <sighs> getting revenge on the system. Excuse me. Oh. In this one, it's about, I guess, bringing himself back to the person he always wants to be. He always just wanted to be a regular guy, someone who loved his wife, and someone who, like, if you were to say, what do you know about John Wick? Really, all you would want, all he would want you to say is that, you know, I was a good man. And in this movie is him going through one last crusade to ultimately end up to the point where he can, you know, stop this series going, I am a good man. And that's all I can leave behind. And there's something about escaping all of one's sort of... Uh, societal constructs in order to get to that point that I found moving and I found inspiring that there's redemption for people who have a laundry list of sins and are indebted to them and constantly find themselves in a place of having to you know return the favor or to uh, redeem themselves but also finding themselves in a the position where in order to try and do that, you have to sink yourself further in another way. I mean, you, nobody thinks about, like, is John Wick, when if John Wick were to die, would he go to heaven or hell? Like, because, I mean, he's trying to be a good person, but at the same time, there's so many bodies in his way, and he's gotten so much death in his name. And I wonder if this movie was even thinking about it in terms of that. I think it's John Wick just trying to eliminate everything but what was most necessary and most basic, which is I know who I am, and I'm going to get to that point. And I know that by breaking free of this high table, I will get to a point where I was. I will be in my brain free again. Because I mean, ultimately, you can run away from the high table and be free forever in that sense, but and you can be free in the sense that they will, you know, leave all debts alone. But it's sort of a personal freedom. It's a self-actualization of John Wick that I find here that is just so moving and empowering and motivating. And it, at moments would bring me to tears just because it's the kind of person I want to be. I want. I, I feel... And this is where I guess I'm going to go talking about the working class and how John Wick is such a working class movie. I mean, it's funny that a movie that is so draped in elegance, I mean, the Marquis Palace is just this big fuck-off, almost cathedral-looking thing that's just shining in gold and uh, luxury and opulence. And it's overwhelming at times. Hell, the Osaka Continental looks cool as fuck, and it's chic. And it's got all the neon that you would love. Same with the 
rave that John Wick attends at one point, all the beautiful cities, all the architecture, the churches, you know, these things that are uh, man's testament to trying to achieve glory in the face of God. And yet the people that are ultimately in the thick of it, trying to fight it, are just these people who are not in control, who don't have power. You know, John Wick is just a regular dude who has a really good skill that's high in demand, but he works for somebody. He doesn't really work for himself. Hell, the people that are coming after John Wick, they're essentially just contractors lined up with a particular client network, which is the high table. Like anybody, any time in this movie that they're like, there's an open hit on John Wick and the bounty now is $20 million. And everybody's like, oh shit, I kind of want those $20 million. They're all, you know, just contractors. They're all in this sort of like capitalist society trying to survive. They're not, you know, there's nobody here that knows that John, there's nobody in the Hitman game that knows that John Wick is out for a bounty but doesn't give a fuck. You know, everybody wants that kill because there's nobody that exists outside of the high table. There's nobody that kind of keeps to themselves. Everybody is entrenched in some way, shape, or form. And that's partially where I get to, like, with uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, whom he's the hotel manager of the Osaka Continental. And he's got this, I guess, notion now that, man, the high table is just fucking everybody over. He's given this child way too much power and it infringes upon sort of the decency and sort of the the feigned civility of their you know their industry and now it's fucking up and there's everything's being thrown into chaos and so he's realizing that he's starting to lose his control a man who's normally poised and really dignified is now being brought to the edge of what other people would call treason and hell, even his daughter is looking at him like he's fucking crazy just because she doesn't want to incur the entire wrath of these high table elders. Uh, glimpses of which we've only seen tiny, tiny glimpses of in other movies through just like one person. You've never seen the high table in one shot. I, I believe you do. I, I don't think you have. I might be forgetting a little bit of John Wick Chapter 2 because that's my least favorite in the franchise, but, you know, we'll we'll get there. And then you've got another new character uh, played by Shamir Anderson called the Tracker or Mr. Nobody. And he's this dude that's just, you know, baby John Wick with his German Shepherd. You know, that that's pretty much it. He's baby John Wick with his German Shepherd. He's a guy that likes... You know, sniping from a little ways afar. He sends the dog to do some distraction while he gets the kill. And he's the guy that's one of the contractors that's uh, entrenching himself into this. And he's a little bit smarter than your average bear. But ultimately, he's driven by profit. He's not driven. He's trying. He's driven by money. He's not, you know, I guess looking for something grander or greater He's still indebted to this system around him. Hell, Kane, the only reason that Donnie Yen's blind hitman comes into the fight is because of a debt that he owes to the high table. Everybody is under this sort of nebulous, con nebulously controlled or viewed authority and only obey because they don't have the power to overthrow. 
And so when you're thinking about how people in that kind of power are threatened by just the mere existence of John Wick, somebody who is just tearing through on like a God of War style rampage against the powers that be, I find myself thinking that this kind of movie is spreading that kind of ideal. You know, that's kind of what the movie's about. I mean, hell, we're in a position now where people are protesting more than ever, the systems that be, challenging why things are the way they are, who who is in power, and for what reasons. You've got people that are working, you know, that got laid off during COVID that are now realizing, well, these companies ultimately need us, so we're just going to keep our resources, you know, we're going to keep the resource of our time and our bodies to ourselves, to people that are worth it. And so maybe it's a little bit much to think that uh, this movie is a revolutionary stretch. I wouldn't really dare go that far. But I do find it uh, emblematic of the time that this is the kind of story that we're putting into 4,000 theaters to you know millions of people that might be watching. But holy shit, can we fucking talk about how badass Donnie Yen is? In this movie, I love the way that he fights. He fights like how do, how do I explain this without being offensive? Um, John Wick fights like a veteran hitman, but he gets tired and he gets the shit kicked out of him. And it's in those little stumbling blocks that create a sense of humanity that really elevates the stakes and makes me think occasionally that like, oh shit, this might be it for him. There are moments in this movie where he gets the fuck kicked out of him to the point where, like, oh, dude, I don't know how you're going to get out of this one. And the same thing with Donnie Yen. Like, Donnie Yen's fighting to where he's putting markers in places to where he can use sound to his advantage. He's using the cane as a weapon. I just realized they named the blind guy Kane. <sighs> what, did J.K. Rowling write this? What the fuck? Anyway, uh, he's using the cane to hit things around and do just this sort of elegant fighting that in a weird way feels almost like he's drunk at times. Like, I don't I don't want to use the term like drunk monkey style or whatever, but it does feel like he's sort of like wobbly and like like whizzing his way with sort of not precise movement, but just enough so that people can't get him. And it is so exciting to watch this kind of fighting go down. It's a different kind of fighting. I guess that's what I like about the John Wick movies, too, is that every person who fights in this movie, from the good guys to the bad guys, have a different way of going about it. I mean, hell, Rina Sawayama has one of the great shots of the year involving her fighting some big fuck-off dude with knives that... I remember thinking, A, I've never seen anybody do this in an action movie before, and B, oh, fuck, that guy is dead. And that kind of stuff, uh, just seeing in how each character approaches action, Hiroyuki Sanada is going at it with more of like a swordplay type style, a more like a, a, a samurai version of it. There's this big dude who I think is named Cheaty who works for Bill Skarsgård, played by Marco Zavor. And he's sort of the heavy of the movie that he'll swing some fists around. Hell, there's one point where they come up against... Let me see here if he's in. He They come up against Scott Adkins, 
who's playing this kind of a casino roulette gangster with a big gold tooth and like he's a giant heavy guy. Looks like something out of a fucking video game. And whenever he fights, I was thinking, huh, Kingpin. You know, there's this just huge dude with a lot of power and weight behind him, but he's able to deliver these, like, martial arts moves that are taking John Wick out. You know, Keanu Reeves is not a small guy, but he's skinny, and so you compare him to somebody who looks like the fucking kingpin, it looks like he's going to crack his bones with just, like, a mere, like, leaning of his body weight. It is fucking wild how people get down in this movie. And... It's just a feast for the eyes. If you're a fan of martial arts at all, if you're a fan of kind of like the beauty of stunt choreography and fight choreography, this stuff is a masterclass. I mean, we haven't even gotten to like the extended sequences that I feel like some people are saying like 30 minutes long, 40 minutes long of fighting. And at some points, I can understand if people get exhausted in the sense that, like, oh, you're just entering a new stage of the video game. I do understand that. But the fact that there's so much character in the way each of these people fight, and there are these little asides that are brought up, and it's not just John Wick versus everybody. It's other people fighting each other, and they have their own interactions. If you want to call it a video game, it feels mostly like injustice where these folks will interact with each other differently based on the characters that they are. I mean, that's expected. But again, video games, I, I don't expect that much shift until just recently. But I, I just love how everybody interacts with each other. And there's so much character among all of these stars. Big fucking stars in it. I mean, hell, Clancy Brown shows up as sort of the... He's, his character's name is Harbinger. But he's sort of the arbiter, arbiter of the, of the kind of rules of the high table. He's got this big fucking coat and this kick-ass beard, the sort of like wide-brimmed hat, and just the way he walks into a room lets you know one that he's business, two that he's impartial. But there is a sense of, I don't know, just a glint in his eyes that'll tell you which person he favors in the fight, and. I don't know, seeing the guy who's... Seeing Mr. Krabs, of all people, be such a fucking badass just by standing there in a kick-ass suit is really inspiring. And it's, it's kind of awesome. Like, I want to have suits that cool when I'm uh, when I'm his age. Man. Uh, when this does get emotional, I found myself really getting involved and I guess it's more in the sense of the humanist uh, ideas of John Wick the idea of kind of like being your own individual and ultimately the last word that anyone needs to have on your life is what word that you have you know you're the last person you spend time with before you leave this earth and so what are you gonna build your legacy on what are you going to how are you going to craft your identity while you're still alive you know, that kind of stuff really got to me. As somebody who thinks about death way too often, yeah, that got here. Uh, some of these sequences are just, some of these feel like Sisyphean tasks that John Wick has to pull off. Uh, there are cars smashing into each other and extras in the way and John Wick dodging vehicles and blades and bullets and punches. It's just, 
it's so overwhelming. But Stahelski and crew film this in such a sense that you are never lost. I mean, what else would you expect from Dan Lostison? Lostison? Lostin? Is that his name? Shit, is there a double S in there? Lostson. Lostson? Anyway, Dan Lostson is... Uh, has been working with uh, Guillermo del Toro on a couple of his last movies, like uh, Shape of Water and uh, Nightmare Alley. And he also did work on Mimic as well. But this is a guy who fucking knows his shit, especially when it comes to these sort of like slightly hazier, uh, more neon colors. Like, I, I just love... God, there are some silhouettes in this fucking thing. Like, John Wick will get the shit kicked out of him and he'll stand up slowly while these rave lights go on behind him. And the blackness of that silhouette is just so exquisite. You know, there are no extra details. It just feels like a living silhouette come to light. Living silhouette! And, like, fuck, man. When you're shooting in environments that have, like, a bunch of mirrors and reflections and all of these colors and lights and bodies worry is just so much and it's so good and it's controlled so well i mean shout out to nathan orloff for editing this fucking thing because damn it's one of the easiest two hours and 49 minutes i've ever sat through and just found myself being stunned and inspired by it all it's it's one of those movies that really you have to run, not walk to the theater to go see. And I just, I'm blown away in the absolute best way. This is one of, like, this is one of the coolest fucking action movies I've ever seen. And I don't really know if we're getting to the point yet where we're talking about, like, Mad Max Fury Road and whatnot. But I would say it's on the same par just on the sheer craft of filmmaking and getting emotions out, like with a guy who speaks maybe 300 words in you know, fucking almost three hours of movie. That stuff, they just don't make them like this anymore, you know? They typically don't make them like this. And if we keep getting more like this, then we are in a golden era of movie-making friends. So, yeah... Go see John Wick if you have not seen it already. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Movies. You can follow me on Twitter at the movies underscore pod, Instagram at the movies pod, Letterboxd. Uh, the link is in the description. If you want to comment on the show, please let me know what you think through a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will read that shit on the next episode. You can also rate the review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. But, friends, until next time, I'm going to close you out with a new song from a band that I really, really like. Just dropped their new album last Friday. It's a band called Sam I Am. The album is called Stowaway, and this song is called Lights Out, Little Hustler. My friends, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and take care of the movies. I'll see you around. Oh